1: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
2: Though we at the Reading Circle Temple love young adult literature, we also love old adult language. This episode also contains a brief mention of suicide. Please listen responsibly. (laughs) Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany.
3: And I'm Goodwin.
2: And today we're talking about the final chapter of Triss's book. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea.
4: Or your drink of choice.
3: And let's shriek. Shriek!
2: All right, Brittany, what happens in chapter 13? So (laughs) much stuff.
4: Lots of shit. A lot of dead people. In the very beginning, Tris goes back to her actual body instead of her being a little spiritual body, magical body, whatever. And she asks Sandry to help her find Enohor because she can tell that he's still alive because of the connection from Amory's earring. Um, So Sandry helps her. And whenever they go back to their magical bodies, They see Ryer still fighting for the cove with his thorns, and then they see the water spout still destroying everything, and then that's when Daja drops the anchor on the boat and creates havoc, which is awesome. Sandry touches the thread from Amory's earring, and it turns from a silver to a dark green, and that way they can see the line now directly instead of it being mixed up with all the other magic. It's very distinct now. So Sandry tells Triss, how about some, what was the word she used? Some mercy. Go mercy. mercy. And Triss is uh-huh. basically like, fuck you, I'm gonna go kill this guy. And She goes towards the ship and then when she goes towards it, Sandry notices that there's a weird pattern. And so she's trying to follow the pattern and she notices a spot where three magical lines join together and she goes to touch it. And when she touches it, she gets trapped in darkness and her physical barrier around their their physical bodies goes away as well. Daja, she touches a latch that's on a ship that seems to be a stockpile for boom dust. And when she touches that latch, she gets trapped in a net and then Breyer spots a gold medallion that he thinks that a pirate dropped. And when he touches it, he hears a sound that sounds like a gel door being closed. and He gets trapped as well. Goes back to Triss, and Triss has made it to the ship, and it's protected by several barriers. And she drills through all of the barriers and is about to throw lightning at the ship when she hears a voice. And the voice tells her, I wouldn't do that or you won't like the consequences. And she sees that her friends are trapped and that inhor is sucking the magic out of them, basically. So Trist tells Anahor to let them go and she'll serve him. But secretly tells herself that she'll actually kill herself before that happens. Each of the teachers puts the lump from the circle, the circle of magic, Wow! Yeah, <laughs> into each of the kids' hands. And then once they do that, Daja asks Frostpine for some power. So Frostpine gives Daja his power. Lark gives some of her power to Sandry, Rose Thorn to Briar. And then Triss is standing there waiting for Nico to give her power. And then she's like, wait. I've got to ask because he's not going to just give me power. I have to ask. So she has to put her pride aside. Be like, Nico, will you please help me? And he's like, okay, now I'll help you. I love the phrase manners of a cat. Is yes. how she that manners of a cat. So all eight of them together, kids are able to break free of their traps. And then they start cutting all the lines towards Anahor because he's also sucking magic out of all the other mages that are in the pirate's fleet. He also has shields up. And so Triss grabs the lightning that she's going to throw previously. Briar adds green strength of stickers and thorns. Sandry feeds in the power of the four into it. Daja adds white blaze of the harbor chain. And so after that, Triss throws it at him, and the shields and the ship explodes. Anahor grabs hold of Triss while he's dying and tries to, like, take her with him. And Lark is like, oh, um, I think something is binding Triss to Anahor. And uh, Sandy's like, it's the earring. So they pry it out of her hand. The kids pull lightning out of Triss's hair. Yeah, I think
3: Dasha pulls the lightning fire. Sand or was it Briar?
4: No, I think oh. it said the traitor. So Daja pulls yeah. it out D- of there. Daja, air,
3: Daja and pulls it, uh, Sandry weaves Sandri it together,
4: all the stuff together uh, to make a briar. Aim. Briar aims it and they mm-hmm. throw it at the uh earring mm-hmm. and it turns into a little puddle of
3: moltenness.
4: This is able to get away from Anahar, and she's safe. She's weak and got away from him and she's floating there with the dead bodies like, oh shit, I did all this. So she's feeling bad. And then Lark finds her drifting among the dead and brings her back home. And then uh, the Emilon Navy goes after the remaining pirates. Briar tells Triss to get rid of her water spout so it doesn't destroy all of the ships from the Navy. I believe that the Duke would be mad if it, this yes, the ship got destroyed. Be super mad. And then for two days, all the kids do is eat and sleep, except for Tris, who's also looking after her, her bird that she <laughs> means Shriek. And Shriek! <laughs> on the third day, Triss asks Rosethorn if Rosethorn can watch Shriek for her while she goes and helps in the infirmaries, because she wants to help since she's the one that caused all the injured to be in the infirmaries. So Rose Thorn agrees. And after eight days, Nico asks Triss if she's ready to begin lessons again. At the end, Briar brings Triss some bugs to feed the bird because Rose Thorn says that the bird needs to start eating things that he would be eating in nature. Triss doesn't like bugs and she keeps trying to beg everyone else, please do this for me. And they're like, nope, we're not the bird's mom. And she's like, I'm not the bird's mom either. And then the bird starts pecking her. And so they are the, the end.
2: So part one of our three-step reading process is reading like a novice. This is where we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like about the chapter. Brittany uh, wants to take a break from talking. Does one of you want to jump in?
3: What I liked about this chapter, and it kind of goes back to the Honestly, kind of the rest of the book. Just how much everyone hates pirates. Everybody, from traders, from people living offshore to people living, you know, inland. Everybody hates pirates in this. Like, they call them uh, Jishen. I think it's the trader term for them.
2: Can I throw in, I think Daja mentions that Jishen doesn't even specifically mean pirate, but it means, like, a parasite.
3: Right. They have a super negative view. Yeah. On pirates, which makes sense in that setting. Pre industrial farming communities. And anybody that doesn't do their share and just steals stuff from other people is viewed super bad. Yeah. Which kind of in contrast to our culture, we got like Pirates of the Caribbean, we got Blackbeard, everyone's like, Oh, you know, those guys were kind of cool, they did cool stuff. It's, it's a little more Yeah.
2: Billy yeah.
3: really the
5: Kid. Uh, acting kid. Yeah. Captain Kid.
3: Captain Kid they are a little more romanticized now and I don't know if that's just because it was so long ago and we don't have family members that are being accosted by pirates at every turn. It's interesting to see how people in this setting relate to pirates that way. They just hate
2: them. I know part of the reason that they've been romanticized. Do tell. Fucking pan. Oh, God. Uh, so now I get to mention my favorite book that is not The Circle of Magic. My life is complete. James Barry, with Peter Pan, that's part of the reason pirates became romanticized. It was this big adventure against fighting them. He's also the person who more or less invented walking the plank. Oh. Because like they did that in Peter Pan, but historians are like, yeah, pirates wouldn't have actually done that. They would have just killed you outright
5: another reason why they're definitely romanticized in this day and age is because one of the biggest pirate fleet, they were originally targeting the ships of the big trading company. East India's trading company. Yeah. They would actually go in and raid ships and the spices that were on there company would sell them at such an inflated bullshit price that these pirates would go in and go, this is ours now, and then practically gave it away to other people. Right now, in our culture, it's romanticized because the kind of Robin Hood effect. Obviously, that's not the case with all pirates, but that's probably another reason why pirates are sticking it to the man.
3: Right. Certain situations are not just killing people for fun.
2: The way pirates come to be pirates has a lot to do with socioeconomic issues, which I will probably go into more depth about in our next episode when we recap the whole book. Because we actually do have modern pirates. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely. come about for many of the same reasons. They just have motorboats instead of big flagships.
3: I guess the other part that I enjoyed was kind of casual nature with which Trish talks to Rosethorn when she asks her for the favor of watching Shriek while she goes to the infirmary. It shows a lot of growth from her. You know? yeah. She was always very distant from Rosethorn because, I mean, she's a bit of a prickly person, but she's nice and compassionate often. It's just not on that surface level. She even jokes around with Trish when she asks, hey, can I ask you a favor? She's like, "No, no, you can't. <laughs> and then she just continues because she knows it's a joke. She doesn't actually dislike her. That's just kind of her attitude. That was a fun thing to watch. Their uh, report between one another has changed.
5: I've got a list. Brittany, let's see how many yours I feel. The scene with Daja just absolutely obliterating that chip with the anchor. That is definitely a highlight of the chapter. Yes. For me. Another one, which is. Not really. Obviously, the kids getting captured is not a good part of the book. It's not cool. But the description each one individual capture is very unique to them. Because if you think about it, Brier was thrown in jail. He was going to spend the rest of his life on the docks. So him hearing a jail cell shutting is—it's a note of fear. Uh, Sandry gets thrown in the dark that's her fear and then Daja getting captured with the net i feel that there's several layers to this it's like her being trapped on the boat unable to do anything to save her family i love that kind of little bit of added flavor
3: to me it reminds me a lot of the spellment too where that yes. it affects you in a very similar way What you see while you're in it is different for each individual.
5: Okay, I don't know why this makes me cry every time I read it, but it is all of the teachers are giving the students their magic. Tris has to ask Nico, and he says, I thought you would never ask. For some reason, every single time I read that, I start crying. There's one more really big thing, is the sentence, Power, Lark, found her drifting among the dead. Encircling her like a net, it brought her home. We know Triss has never really had a true home because she's been bounced around so much. So just that idea of her thinking Lark is home, in a sense. That's her safety, that is her home, is Lark.
2: It's also a really nice line because it sort of symbolizes her whole journey through this book and the previous book and her whole life. The idea of her circling around the dead and finding a home or being brought to a home is very much what she has been going through. Especially because in Sandry's book, they talk about how people thought that she was possessed or haunted by ghosts. So that idea of the dead specifically has actually been there from the beginning.
3: Oh, right. I'd completely forgotten about that.
2: That's what I like about Pierce's writing in general. And for me, what really hit me hard about this chapter is the tightness of that writing. So the earring is great because she brings attention to it right from the moment Avery shows up because Briar says, Oh, I like his glitter and pulls at his earlobe. So she mentions the earring. It's always there, but You don't necessarily think about it. And then you get to the part where he explains, oh, this is what it is. And then she hangs on to it as this token because she's so upset that he's died. But then you get to the end and it's all of that has been super, super important. I had a creative writing instructor that said, if you're going to put something in once, it's worth putting in twice. And she did a really good job with that, of having this thing and making it important. And just the ending as a whole, the part where she's in the infirmary and she's scrubbing the floor and Nico comes in and says like, so what do you want to study? And she's like, I need to work on control. Really good literature is about character growth. And I feel like in this book, we have seen Triss grow so, so much. And the fact that we get to this ending where she looks at her teacher and she says, if I am going to be able to be a mage, I need to learn how to control this power. She has come so, so far. That character growth is really what fuels the story. And it just, that is why I love this book so much. And then as a side note, my favorite little moment They're trying to feed bugs to shriek. And Daja says, come on, merchant girl. You face pirates, an earthquake, rose thorn. What's wrong with a bug or two? Did she get any locusts? They're better fried, but still good when they're fresh. Again, it's this little bit of world building that just gets dropped in where you learn a bit more about Daja and her culture and all of this. But it reminds me a lot of I grew up in New Mexico, but I was born in Louisiana, and one of the most delicious foods in Louisiana is boiled crawfish. I freaking love crawfish. It's one of my favorite foods. And when I was in ninth grade in my biology class, we dissected crawfish, and the ones that they had for dissection were enormous. Big
3: old mud bug.
2: Yeah. And so when we dissected them, I was like, oh, it's such a shame that saved these for people to dissect when they could have eaten them. And all my friends were like, what? So then that summer, when we went to visit my grandparents in Mississippi, we ordered a whole bunch of crawfish and we just took a million pictures of everyone in my family sucking crawfish heads and brought them back to my biology teacher. I connect with Sasha there. Thank you, Sasha.
4: I think most of my likes got stolen. My first one is when all the kids get trapped. I just liked all the different descriptions of trapment for each kid. Like Indy said, it's not good that they got trapped, but the description for all of them was pretty pretty cool. It was all different for each one. The next one was when the teachers connect to their students. Uh, it was so good. Forming a blade of magic, all eight plunge down, hacking at the thread that connected in a heart to the mages of the code fleet. All four of them together are already really powerful. And then with their teachers, with them as well, it's just ah, so much power, it's so good. I just love the visual of the kids getting the sparks out of Triss's hair and weaving it together for a lightning bolt, it's really cool too.
3: I really did like that one a lot because it wasn't just Tris doing it. They watched the way that she did it and they were able to do it themselves, which is super cool. It really shows how connected they are.
4: I'm really interested to see what else they are able to do. Because when you think Sandry, you think fabrics and weaving in general, but she can weave lightning out of little sparks, which is, fascinating and i'm excited to see what else she can do later on with weaving. it's it's really cool molly already talked about tris wanting to learn more control and then also about the locusts as well so they all got taken
2: i told you guys all we need to do to get brandy to shut up is make her do the recap (laughs) (laughs) now I got to figure out how to get indy to shut up no i'm just kidding (laughs)
6: That's burrow.com slash acast. Burrow.com slash acast.
2: Part two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we talk about a theme or a message that we found in the chapter. I'm going to start talking about Animorphs. I'm not going to go into the detail about why this started because that will take too long, but I started rereading Animorphs, which I I will tell you not as good as the circle of magic but i think i already knew that the reason i bring it up is i don't know how much y'all know about animorphs and how it comes to an end i remember
3: there's aliens and they're fighting the aliens or something by becoming Becoming animals animals. i
4: have not read any of them i that sounds very interesting uh if you're gonna
2: read one i recommend book three it's probably the best one I've read so far. I think I'm on book eight right now. They're pretty short and they're online for free.
5: Oh! Um,
2: so if you're ever sitting around and you're just like, I need something that's not that great, but kind of enjoyable to read, then, you know, just look up Animorphs online. They are online for free with permission of the author. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Cause they like went out of print or something and a bunch of people like put them up online and there was some issue and she was like, nope, they're going to stay up there because these are the people who have kept the series alive when when it was difficult to find. Animorphs is about a group of teenagers who are fighting a bunch of aliens in an intergalactic war. As you do. Yes. It starts out kind of lighthearted. And by the time you get to the end, it gets very dark. People were apparently upset about this. And the author responded by saying this series has always been about war and war is destructive and awful and that's why it ends this way. So getting back to Triss's book, that is how I felt reading this chapter. As far as theme, maybe just destruction or horrendousness, I don't know. But we have Triss and her desire for revenge and for that matter, all of the kids have this desire for revenge, uh, except maybe Sandry. But Briar has gone through a whole lot at the hands of pirates. And as we've already said, he uses that hate to fuel the plants. Daja has certainly faced pirates in her life with her parents traveling at sea. So she uses that to fuel her anger against them. And that's why I think Sandry's line where she says perhaps show a little mercy really stands out and I kind of wonder if this could have still ended successfully for Winding Circle where they saved Winding Circle but maybe experienced less death if they didn't let their anger get the best of them and I don't really know the answer to that question but there's that conversation and all of this anger and hatred and as a result, there's just so much death and destruction. As Indy would say, Tamara Pierce does not shy away from death and destruction. Most definitely. does. And I
3: mean, that's how the whole series starts. It is literally well, everyone I think except Briar losing their family violently. For this book to end this way isn't that big of a surprise.
4: The theme that I pulled out was growth. And much brighter than mine. You already mentioned... At the beginning of this chapter, Sandry is telling Tris, maybe show some mercy. And Triss, is like, fuck that. I'm not showing no mercy. And she kills a bunch of people. And then the aftermath, she sees all this dead floating around her. And she's like, oh, my God, I, I did this. I caused this. When she's talking to Nico, she says that she wants to learn control. And she also goes and helps in the infirmaries. So I feel like this shows a lot of growth. Just in this chapter alone, she goes from wanting to have all this revenge and then seeing what all this revenge can cause and the mayhem and the death that it causes. I feel like she needs to see that to want to grow as a person. Because people have been telling her, for the, both of these books that she needs to learn control. She needs to learn control. And she just keeps ignoring them and brushing it off, basically. And then seeing the chaos that she can do with not having control, she needed to see that.
2: I think it's similar to the experience that she goes through in Sandry's book with trying to control the tides. Because yeah. she told you can't control the weather, but she has to attempt it herself before she learns the lesson. And I think yeah. it's the same thing here. She has to go through that experience and see it firsthand.
5: Exactly. Mine kind of ties in with y'all's. I feel. I wrote it down as End of Rage, Beginning of Redemption. She doesn't let it go. Like, she gets her revenge and she does what she wants to do. But she realizes, oh, well, maybe I should not do that kind of stuff. Maybe I should actually learn that I have this power and I need to do something good with it rather than just be destructive. With her going into the infirmaries and helping out, that kind of shows she's trying to make amends. Because she does, and she blatantly states that the pirates that were there pulled her braids and teased her and were hateful. The part with her realizing that most of the dead that were floating with her were the galley slaves That was a huge impact on her because these were just people who couldn't get out. They didn't want to be there. And so she took a lot of innocent life. Revenge does come with a lot of side effects that people don't think about. Of course, that's something I like about Tamara Pierce's writing in general is actions have consequences. They have foreseen consequences and unforeseen consequences. And this is kind of one of those is they could have just left it at, oh, she killed a bunch of pirates and, oh, well, that's good for her. And I'm glad that she's like, oh, hey, I can kill a bunch of pirates, but I need to not do that all the time. But with the addition of her seeing all of these people who didn't want to be there, floating around her, she decides to make her step towards redemption and making amends on a karmic level, I suppose, is
4: a good way to put it. I also feel like you saying that there's always consequences. I think that goes back to what Anahar was saying to Triss when he said, don't do that because you're not going to like the consequences. I know he was talking about her friends, that they were trapped, and he was going to basically kill them. But I also feel like the consequences, obviously, is all this debt and destruction, that she would have to suffer with those consequences as well. And she didn't think of those consequences, that she got her revenge, and now she's still suffering with those consequences of killing. Her friends didn't get killed, but a bunch of other people did.
3: The theme that I found was the theme of atonement, which really kind of goes hand in hand with what you guys are talking about. Trust helping in the infirmary without being asked to. And she knows that she can't take back the actions that she did, but she's at least trying to help the people that she affected. Even though it may have been justified in the moment, there are still repercussions for your actions. There are consequences that you see and consequences that you don't see. And they still happen regardless of your intentions. She understood that, too, at the end. Uh, really, when she was scrubbing the floors and, and Nico comes in. Nico talks to Triss about the fact that Enahar took, I guess, pride <clears throat> in hurting people. Pleasure. Yeah, he took pleasure in hurting people. And he didn't want Tris to end up that way. She realized that what she did was damaging and she is atoning for that. And her actions. And I guess the other thing that I saw was the pirates that were captured and they were being healed and stuff at the temple were going to be sent to face justice at the end. So they will atone for their actions, even though they went through this terrible thing. They kind of brought it upon themselves and they will pay for their crimes.
5: I just want to make a small addition. I didn't realize it until right now, but if you go back to the second chapter where I think it's the second chapter where Nico and Triss are doing the fell at the tower and he says if you ever do this I will hunt you down and beat your ass pretty much. Yeah. Paraphrasy. He say that. But pretty much I will hunt you down and I will make you regret it. And so I think that the earlier conversation and her reaction to in the end when she's like I need to learn control obviously it was a test when he asked well what do you want to learn but I feel like that test is a little bit deeper to see kind of where she falls on the spectrum of alignment because if she would have been like I want to do this and literally anything other than I want to learn control would have given him an idea of what he was getting into more so than he realized in the first book or throughout the rest of this book. Like I said, I didn't notice that until right now, but there was a lot of foreshadowing, I feel.
2: Indy, are Um, you saying that Triss is going from chaotic misunderstood to lawful misunderstood?
5: Yes. She's trying to become Lawful misunderstood but she's kind of neutral i feel at the end of the book that's
2: what i was going to suggest that she's now neutral misunderstood
5: no neutral she's just misunderstood
3: she's trying to work a way up
5: yeah
2: she's trying to get there i wonder if briar has also gone from chaotic good to more of a neutral good
3: (laughs) not yet i don't think
2: so no he's very chaotic (laughs)
5: well i guess we'll see if that changes when we get to book four
2: Just a reminder that in two weeks, we will be giving away a sacred reading kit. For your chance to enter, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or share our podcast on your social media page. Tell us what impact the Circle of Magic has had on your life and remember to tag Reading Circle Temple. Part three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the text to craft magic in our own lives. What magic did you find in this chapter?
5: Yeah, I'm doing the wiggle dance. I found mercy, actually. The line of try a little mercy is kind of where it starts. But then there's also the line of they wanted to do it to us as a justification of not showing mercy. And then with the teachers, with the kids, they could have just been like, y'all motherfuckers, we told you not to do this. And just completely pulled him out. But it was that mercy of you were trying to do something good. Even with Trist going in in the infirmaries. there's a lot of... It's not necessarily mercy, but it is. I am a very wrathful person. I like to say constantly that I run on caffeine and fight, which is very true. But sometimes I let slight inconveniences or out of context, I guess, phrases... That someone has said or things someone's done without really thinking about it and reacted in a very negative and harmful manner. I need to remember to try a little mercy because there's always another side, but you're never going to change somebody's mind by yelling and screaming. There's time and place for it, but you will you will change people's minds with mercy and love faster than you will
2: bringing at them
5: and enacting revenge.
2: (laughs) Mine is kind of along the same lines. I've mentioned before that at the very least when I was a kid, the character who I was most similar to was Triss because she wore glasses, she loved to read, and she had a temper. So I've always had a really bad temper And it's a good thing that I don't have tornado magic that's connected to it or my house would have been destroyed a long ass time ago. This whole concept of her seeing the destruction and saying, I did this and this is not the person who I want to be going to the infirmaries and sort of trying to put goodness in the world. And the idea that she recognizes that She has hurt people, and maybe she even hurt people in a sort of necessary way. They weren't going to be able to not kill pirates. So, at least some of the people who died, there was not going to be any getting around that. But the fact that she looks at that and is able to value those lives, even though they were attacking her, is meaningful. And I thought that there was a line from Larg or Rosethorn somewhere where they talked about you can destroy things and it will haunt you and the best thing to do is to make that decision to to put goodness into the world and that's really the only place to battle it. But Brittany has a confused look on her face and I can't find the line in the book. So that line maybe exists in a different book somewhere. But just that idea of none of us are perfect, we all do things that hurt others, but you have a moment where you can decide to be like, oh, that's okay, whatever, or say, this isn't who I want to be, and so I want to add goodness into the world by working in the infirmary or whatever it is, whether it's going back and helping the people who you have hurt or doing it in some other way, but that idea of trying to care for people and care for the world around you. And Brittany mentioned that when Tris asks Nico for help, in a sense, she's putting away her pride. And pride is something that I struggle with a lot. So I like that idea of putting away your pride and giving back, I guess.
4: I found two different ones The first one would be Sometimes I can be a hypocrite Kind of like Anahar in this He tells Triss that she owes him a debt Because she killed his sister But he killed her cousin first So I would say that their debt is cancelled out Because they both owe each other a debt But he has to say, you owe me a debt because you killed my sister. So I know a lot of times I will be like, this person did that, not even thinking about it. And like, go to think about it later, like, oh, shit, I actually did that before, too. So why am I getting mad about somebody doing this when I've done the exact same thing? So I feel like I need to be less of a hypocrite sometimes and acknowledge that sometimes I do some of the same stuff that other people are complaining about. And then my second one is when Tris is waiting for Nico to join his power with hers. And then she realized, oh, wait, I have to ask him first. And then she asks him, I know that uh, Nico knows what Tris is wanting him to do but I know a lot of times I'll expect somebody to do something like read my mind I guess and when I should just ask the person to do something I know I do this to my husband all the time I'll get mad at him he's like why are you mad I'm like because you didn't do this thing and he's like I didn't know I needed to do that thing like you should have known already he's like how was I supposed to know you should have just known And so I need to start asking people to help me with the things that I'm needing them to help me with.
2: I also struggle with both of those things. And I'm actually a hypocrite about the mind reading thing. So I'll be like, well, you should be able to read my mind. But then I get upset when other people complain that I can't read theirs, basically. Like, I'll be like, well, why didn't you ask me? Or why didn't you say something? But then I kind of expect other people to know what I want them to do so I've been trying to work on that as well what is your magic Goodwin
3: my magic oh nothing as cool or as deep as or as your, your yours guys is. mine was the first step is kind of the hardest and it it was when Triss was feeding the grubs or trying to feed a grub to uh, Shriek and I just imagined that clearly this first time was difficult for her to do that but After this first time, I'm sure she's going to get into the rhythm for it. It's not going to be a big issue. It kind of required everyone's urging to get her to do it. But I'm sure in the future, it's not going to be a big deal. And it kind of reminded me of something that I hate. I I hate it so much. I, I don't know what exactly it is about it, but I hate putting my laundry away. I will leave it in the basket for like days But I know that when I put it up and it's all neat in the drawers and hung up, it's super easy to get to. It looks nice. It smells better because it's hung up. But just that first step of going to the room, laying the clothes out, actually getting started is so difficult. But once I'm doing it in the groove of doing it, I get it done and I feel great afterwards. But it's so hard to remember how great that feels before you start. And I just need to get past that. I don't know what it's going to take or what I have to do. I don't know if I need to get all my friends to come over and be like, here, good one. This is how you do it. Starting folding my clothes. And then I'm like, oh God, this is the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> and then I just start doing it or something, but it's, I hate it. And I know it's something that I need to work on. And I I have to see how Tris does it and just know that it'll be easier next time.
2: My roommate is talking recently about micro habits. So instead of saying, I'm going to walk a mile every day, say, I'm going to walk three times around my kitchen table every day. (laughs) So basically committing yourself to doing something every day that's really, really small. And then because you've done that small thing, once you start, you feel more encouraged to keep going. Yu Kai Chao, he's a gamification scholar. I don't even know what the appropriate term is there because he's about the only person. But one of the things that he mentioned in one of his videos was when something is really hard, you break it down into the smallest possible pieces. So if you're writing a letter that you don't want to write, then you open Word. You open Microsoft Word and then you congratulate yourself for that. And now that you've opened Word, you'll be like, well, that took me five seconds. So maybe I'll put a title. Maybe I'll format. Maybe I'll write, dear so-and-so. And and then you just kind of keep going. So for you, it might be, I'm going to hang up one shirt. And then after you do that first one, you're like, well, you know what? I should do a second one. I should do a third one.
3: Then just, oh, I guess I'll do the rest of the shirts.
4: I kind of do that with Malia. She'll tell me that she doesn't like eating something and like, we'll make like spaghetti or something. She's like, I don't like that. I'm like, okay, whatever. Just take one bite and you can be done. And she's like, okay. And then she takes a bite. And she's like, mm, it's really good. I'm like, well, you can continue eating if you'd like. And she's like, okay, I'll <laughs> continue eating. So taking that first step.
3: Sounds good. I'm definitely going to do that right now. As soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to go put some laundry. In. So one to- shirt at a time.
4: I have to do mine as well. Since this is the end of
2: the book, we don't have an excerpt, but we are going to send out another giveaway box and we'll take a week off for a tangential episode next week. And then we will return in two weeks with Daja's book. Next week, we're going to do the recap episode. Then we'll take a week off. So we'll get, and then in three weeks, we'll have Dodge's book. Yes. Good. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly.
4: Brittany. Indy. And Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us.
5: If you don't like listening, tell your enemies.
3: Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group.
2: You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr.
4: And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at yellowisforhappydraws.com or on Instagram at Shannon Andrus.
5: Also, thanks to Britton's brother, Thomas Dick, for a few music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud.
3: Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic, and thanks to you for listening.
2: Let's all have coffee next week.
4: Someone else can jump in. I don't have to do all of this. If oh, you're doing great. <laughs> okay. Anyway,
2: well, now we figured out how to get Brittany to shut up. We just think her do the recap. <laughs> Flexibility
5: is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.